Welcome to Heritage Fellowship's Sermon of the Week. We hope you're encouraged and challenged as we study the Word of God together. Good morning. Thank you. The Beatitudes. Woo! I'm going to need some camaraderie this morning because for the last, I think this is our sixth Beatitude. And for the last few weeks, every time we talk about one of these, um, I would just love some vulnerability this morning. If I could see a show of hands for anyone else who has just gone home and gone, oh, Jesus, help. (laughs) Yeah, like, help us walk in this. Like, I have left week after week going, I don't want to go back next Sunday and hear about another one. (laughs) I need at least like a month or six weeks to kind of let this just work itself into me. Um, So I still, even though we're taking these one at a time, I kind of feel like we're going fast through this. This feels still really fast and like we're trying to take it in and walk it out. And it's just a lot. Anybody else? I just feel better up here. I needed a chair this morning even. I'm like, I don't even know how to talk about this. This just, I feel the weight of it. And I have felt it week after week. Um, A few weeks ago when dad talked about blessed are the meek, I was like, he asked the question, what's your level of meekness? Because your level of meekness is equal to your level of Jesus that's in you. And I was like, oh boy, I thought I had a lot more Jesus in me than apparently I do. Um, and uh, Jimmy Hale and I and Casey have been joking and we've been laughing about like we're not going to let dad preach anymore because it's just a little bit hard. Um, but then Casey brought it with the hunger and thirst for righteousness. And then last week again with blessed are the merciful and I told Jimmy this is the signal If it gets too hard, we're out. Like, I don't want to hear this. And then I told him, and next week I'm sharing, I'm not even coming next week. (laughs) Because that's kind of how I feel about this. So um, let's go ahead and get them up there. Here they are. Casey, you got it? Somebody's doing it for me? Next slide. There they are. If we could, can we just read this together? This is, uh, the feel that is in my heart this morning is just family. Like, um, last week we put up mom and dad's Christmas tree, which is a highlight of my year. It's one of my favorite nights of the year because we're all together and we're all decorating the tree and we put on our first baby's first Christmas ornaments and we, um, myself and my older brother Jonathan, Mackenzie, and our youngest brother Jameson, who is bigger than all of us, we stand in birth order and we usually make Jameson get on his knees because he's the baby. And it's so fun and it's just so family. And then that particular night, um, we got in a discussion about Blessed are the peacemakers. Um, In a few weeks, we're going to be talking about that one. And we ended up talking and talking and talking about it. And there was just, it was just family talking about the word of God. And it was good. And it was life giving and life bringing and changing. And that is the, what I'm asking the Lord to do for us this morning. We are a family. We are a family here. And so we're going to have some family talk. And I hope no one Well, I hope everyone feels like doing this, but that you don't actually do it. Um, So today, let's just read these together. Um, These are the Beatitudes we've talked about so far, and then the one we're on today. So let's read these together. Oh, and let's, we're going to say blessed instead of blessed. Okay. 
just so we're all on the same page there. Okay, so, blessed are the pure in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who was really beautiful. <laughs> His word is enough. Like that is just, ooh. So the first thing, and I feel like I have to say it because everyone else has said it, the first thing we have to always remind ourselves of is that these, again, are not prerequisites. We've said that week after week, and I think it's important um, that we keep hearing that, that these are not, we have to have this figured out before we can be a part of the kingdom of heaven. They're not prerequisites. The thing I wrote in my journal a few weeks ago is these are not prerequisites, but they are proof. They're not prerequisites for entering the kingdom, but they are proof that we have chosen to be a part of the kingdom because these things will be worked in us. There'll be evidence that we are a part of the kingdom of heaven. And the thing I've really been feeling this last couple of weeks is wanting to make sure in my own life that I'm not stopping at, thank you, Jesus, that these aren't prerequisites, that I'm missing the second part of that is, but they must be evidence. Because sometimes I think we can hear, oh, they're not prerequisites. Phew! Good thing we don't have to have it all figured out. And we stop at that, and we don't continue on into the work that it's going to take for them to become evident in our life. Does that make sense? And yesterday I was praying and studying, and I just got this picture of us as a church family. And I was standing up here looking out at all of your beautiful faces, and I saw each one of you like a plant. So if you can sort of just imagine what that looks like from up here, like every person in a chair, you are a plant like a potted plant, and they were beautiful plants, trees, palm trees, those like um, hmm, hibiscus, is that with little flowers? Like I'm really, I want to be a plant person, but I'm not really, so I can't rattle off a bunch of names of plants. But um, you guys were all plants, and so as we are together here, we're getting watered and fed, and we're getting like the plant food, miracle grow stuff, and we're um, getting weeds plucked, and there's a pruning that's happening, and it's really good. That's what plants need in order to grow and thrive and bear fruit. That's good, and that's part of what we get here together as a family. But then, in just like an instant, it was like I was seeing all of that, and then an instant, I like blinked, and when I opened my eyes, we were all like these fake artificial plants that you see at Hobby Lobby or Walmart or somewhere. And this place of intercession really hit my heart to go, Lord, don't let us, don't let Heritage Fellowship be a group of people that are just fake, artificial, dead plants. Let us hear your word and receive the water of the Spirit and the truth, the food that is your word, and let it change us and let us grow. You throw all the water you want on a fake plant, and it 
It is what it is. It's artificial. It's just nothing happens. You give it miracle grow, nothing happens. You water it, nothing happens. God, don't let us be that. And so I want to be clear, like that is this thing that I was seeing, and I want to be clear that I'm not saying that's where we are. I believe wholeheartedly that is not who we are, but I think we have to stay aware and stay on top of it and stay vigilant in our spirits to not become that, especially in our culture. It is easy to settle in, and it is easy to just let be what be. It's easy to come here and hear a word about meekness or about hungering and thirsting for righteousness and leave and never think about it again. I was really encouraged when dad just got up and said, I knew I would get some texts and emails and calls. That means we're thinking about this. That means we're letting it churn in us. It means we're letting it go like, well, how do I flesh out mercy? It means some of you here thought about that this week and wanted to be merciful but are feeling that conflict. That's good. You're a living plant. You got watered last week and then you got a chance to act on that. That is awesome. And that is my prayer for us as a church family. God, let us be living. Let us be hearers and doers and let us put into action what we're learning here. Because if if we're not willing to do that, what are we even doing? What are we doing here? And this stuff gets fleshed out week after week. Not here, but it's like Monday night around your kitchen table. It's on Wednesday with a friend at lunch. It's in a small group that you're a part of. That's where you get the chance to work all this stuff out and not just leave and let it be. Amen? So today, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Real quick, Casey, if you'll throw up our Greek words. So this is one we're growing familiar with because we hear it every single week. Can you guys just say that out for me? Makarios. Say it again. Makarios. That means blessed. And that is the blessed that is regardless of our circumstances and regardless how we feel. We hear that every week. And again, I don't grow tired of hearing it because I need to be reminded week after week that he is good and I am blessed no matter what my circumstance is telling me that week. Look at somebody and say, he is good. You are blessed. Now say it to yourself. He is good. I am blessed. Again, he is good. And I am blessed. Our next word is pure. I have to tell a really quick funny story. Ellie was talking about purity the other night. And um, I was asking the girls, what do you think it means to be pure? And Ellie's like, well, nobody can be pure. Only Jesus is really pure. Nobody can be pure without Jesus. And we're just... Like, he's the only one who's perfect and pure, and we have to get puritized. Like, I like that word. We have to get puritized. That's what we're about to get is puritized in our lives. And then she's like, and then once we get puritized, we are P-U-R, pure. (laughs) Homeschool mom win. (laughs) Add that to the spelling list next week. 
We are P-U-R, pure. Um, so pure is katharos. You want to say that one? Katharos. It means clean, clear, innocent, pure in a moral sense, sincere, upright, and void of evil. Next word. We're gonna, what we're going to do, let me just give you the layout here. We're going to look at all these words, and then we're going to go back and kind of break this down a bit. But I just wanted to get all our words out in your binders. If you're a Matthew binder person, you have your Greek word section. You can put these in there now. They'll be up on the screen for a while, or I think they'll be on the website. You can add them to your Greek word list. Um, our next word is heart. Cardia. Cardia. And that is the seat of the desires, feelings, affections, passions, and impulses. That word cardia should remind us of our cardiac, yes. Um, and then our last word is shall see. And that is horao. Horao means to see God, to be admitted to his presence to enjoy his fellowship and special favor, to stare at, to discern clearly, and to experience. So the question today, at least this is how I started a few weeks ago when Casey asked, would you talk about blessed are the pure in heart? And at first I said, no. <laughs> I don't want to talk about any of the Beatitudes, actually. <laughs> um, but then I said, yes. And um, the, where I started was just a simple question. What does it mean? What does it mean to be pure in heart? And so I just want to give you like 30 seconds. And if you are a note taker, write your own answer down. Jot it down yourself. Like what comes to your mind when you think pure? What comes to your mind when you think of the word purity? Where does your mind go? Um, let yourself just think about it for a second. And again, if you're a note taker, jot it down. If not, all of you people who aren't writing stuff down, I trust you're just thinking about it in your head. Okay, everybody kind of got an idea in your head? Give me some nods. Did you think about it? Don't lie to me. We're in church. Um, okay, so purity. I'm going to give you the two things that came to my mind first, and we'll see if this is also what comes to your mind. Right away, before I think about it, pray about it, give it much thought whatsoever, the two things that come to mind. One is, I tend to equate purity with perfection. To be, I kind of can, in my own self, read this passage and go, blessed are those who never make a mistake. Blessed are those who never get frustrated. Blessed are those who never have an impatient word with their spouse. Blessed are those who are never frustrated at their children. Blessed are those who never say anything bad, do anything bad, think anything bad. Blessed are those who never sin. Blessed are those who walk on this earth like angels, who never think, act, speak, talk, walk in any way that is inappropriate. Then they will see God. That's kind of where I naturally go. That is one of the first places I go, and that feels very impossible. <laughs> that night at Mom and Dad's, we were talking about the Beatitudes, and I threw out, well, I'm talking about blessed through the pure in heart, and there was only one comment made. Someone spoke up and said, not possible. <laughs> and I went, yeah, like that is kind of how it feels. Like blessed through the pure in heart. If we think about pure in heart as perfection, it feels not possible. 
The second thing that immediately comes to mind is sexuality. We think about it in terms of our morals and what's right and wrong in the area of sexuality. We equate purity, we hear it, and we automatically think sexuality. So those are the two things that immediately come to my mind, and the Lord has been rewiring how I think about purity the last few weeks. It's been a few weeks now that we've been, um, I've been kind of processing and mulling over this. And so right off the bat, I just want us to recognize maybe either any of you, like those two things come to mind for you, like right off the bat. I like to see your hands. Go ahead. Show me. Show me. Thank you. Okay. So yeah, those things, those are like very quick and easy things that come to mind right away. And so right away, I'm going to just say up front, that's not what this is talking about. That's not what this is. This isn't a call to perfection in any shape, form, or fashion. And so before we talk about what it is, I just think it's important. Sometimes we have to call to mind how we think about something in order to recognize it as there so we can stop thinking about it that way. So I'm going to give a couple of definitions here. This is actually um, like the Webster's definition of pure. Our word we have up here is um, the Greek word, but I'm going to give you the Webster definition of pure. It means it's something that's made of only one substance and is not mixed with anything else. Anything that's uncontaminated by extra, unnecessary, or unclean substances is pure. It means unmixed, free from anything that dulls or dims. So in this passage, pure of heart is referring to a sincerity of heart. As one commentator commentary put it, take it to mean single-mindedness, a heart free from the tyranny of a divided self. So when we look at it as that, and in our definition even, you'll see the word sincere is up there. And in this passage, it's talking about a sincere heart, an undivided heart. It's I start reading it, not blessed are the ones who never make a mistake, but I read it, blessed are the ones who have an undivided heart. Blessed are the ones that at the core of their being, they are unmixed. Blessed are the ones who have chosen Christ, and they now let that choice affect all other choices they are going to make. Blessed are the ones who are made up of one thing, following hard after Christ. A pure heart describes a person whose single-minded loyalty to God affects every area of life. And right about now is where I personally want to go like this. <laughs> Just to be honest. Because that's getting real. That's getting like, oh, undivided heart, single-mindedness. That starts to bring up, I don't know about you, but I can think personally this week, places that I have been divided, places where I would say one thing and do another. Ugh. Family time. Um, this is a really beautiful passage, Psalm 8611, and I'm going to read it out of the NIV and the NLT because it shows how this undivided heart and purity of heart 
can be interchangeable. It says, teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. And then in the NLT, it says, teach me your ways, O Lord, that I may live according to your truth. Grant me purity of heart so that I may honor you. Same verse, but that word, purity, it can be interchangeable. Pure heart, undivided heart. So as I hope we will begin looking into at the bottom of your notes. You'll even see I gave some extra passages, but you can look into this more on your own, which I hope we all do. That pure means undivided. It's sincere and genuine. The pure in heart are thus the utterly sincere. And to be sincere, like this is the actual definition of sincere, means that you are not dishonest or hypocritical. And we know in the word that Jesus had a lot to say about hypocrisy. External righteousness that masks inner corruption is what Jesus refers to as hypocrisy. Is that in the notes? Okay. External righteousness that masks inner corruption is what Jesus refers to as hypocrisy. But here he is saying by contrast that the righteousness of the kingdom of God is first internal, a matter of the heart, which will in turn affect outward behavior. We are changed from the inside out. No amount of trying to clean it up on the outside changes who we are deep down in here. And when we try to change it up on the outside, but inside, we know who we still really are. And that is what the other quote that I think is also in your notes said about the, the tyranny of the divided life. You know, we know when we are living that way. We feel it deep on the inside. We know it. And that's where we see the difference. Perfection, again, in our flesh, we like to equate purity with perfection. But perfection is about meeting a list of outward standards. But purity is the condition of our heart. And that's where everything changes. So let's look into heart. In Hebrew, thought, the heart is the center of a person's emotions, thoughts, and intentions. And I just believe Jesus knew exactly what he was doing when he said, blessed are the pure in heart. He chose those words intentionally and on purpose because he could have said, blessed are the pure, for they shall see God. But he knew by throwing in this in heart, he just changed the game. He just changed it all. He just turned things upside down on these religious leaders of the day because what they had were their list of rules and regulations and law. And if they did all of this, then they were pure. But he just flipped it all. And he adds one little word that just changes everything. And thank you, Jesus, that it is that way, that that is the truth of, of what we're looking at here. It's blessed are the pure in heart. This is a critical connection for us to for us to make. It was critical for them to make it and it was outside of their thinking. This is not how things were. It was outside of that. It pushed it and challenged it. But today for us, I mean, I I'm honest when I'm up here saying my first place is purity is perfection and I can quickly think of a list of what that means. I can 
I can write you a list a mile long of the do's and don'ts to be pure in my mind, but that's not what this is about. He added, blessed are the pure in heart and changed it all. I have a quote here. It's a little bit long, but I feel like it's really important. Um, I believe this is out of the Expositor's Bible Commentary. This is just a critical connection that we wrap our heart around today. The religious leaders of Jesus' day upheld a tradition of thousands of laws created as a fence around the law given to Moses. The idea is that you won't steal a cookie if you can't reach the cookie jar. This resulted in a religion of rituals focused on outward cleanliness. Jesus is challenging this way of thinking and living when he says, Blessed are the pure in heart. Cleanse the inner life, and the outer life will take care of itself. So the heart is utterly crucial to Jesus. Who we are in the deep, private recesses of our lives is what he cares about the most. Jesus did not come into the world simply because we have some bad habits that need to be broken. He came into the world because we have such dirty hearts that need to be purified. It's absolutely imperative that we stop looking at pure in heart as the heading of what is sure to be a list of all of our don'ts. I am pure in heart, therefore I can't, and the list goes on and on and on. If we do that, then we are no different than the hypocrites that Jesus was speaking to. When people attempt to live a double life spiritually, meaning to appear pure on the outside, but are corrupt on the inside, they are anything but blessed. Their conflicting loyalties make them wretched, confused, and tense. Having to keep their eyes on two masters at once makes them cross-eyed, and their vision is so blurred that neither image is clear. And it has not been fun, you guys, reading all this stuff and studying this family moment again. Like, this isn't fun. It wasn't fun last week, preparing for today, thinking about it, and seeing all the places that my vision is blurred and that I am cross-eyed. And where am I serving two masters? And where do I care about this more than I care about this? But I say I care about this, but my actions are saying this. Oh but I want to be a living plant that lets this truth and lets this water deal with that stuff. And I believe that we want to be that as well as a church family. When we're living in this divided place, I loved what that said about um, being cross-eyed and our vision is blurred because that is just truth. When we are living this dual standard and we have this double standard going on in our life, it's hard to keep track. Is it not hard to keep up with, oh, I mean, and it can come out practically. Maybe with some people you're a certain way and with other people you're a different way. 
I used to be able to, I'm not saying this in a bad way, mom, but I used to be able, she'd be on the phone as a child. I would listen to mom on the like kitchen phone, you know, with the cord that she would like stretch it across the whole house. I could listen to her on the phone and know she's talking to grandma. Oh, she's on the phone with Cindy. She's on the phone with Kim Hislip. She's on the, I could, I could tell you, I could listen to her for about 30 seconds and tell you exactly who she's talking to. When my husband calls me on the phone, maybe he's on his way home from work or something, I can always tell if he's been on the phone with his dad. I can always say, like, he'll say something for like three seconds, and I'll say, did you just get off the phone with your dad? And he's like, yes. (laughs) I can tell. Like, there's a natural thing that happens in us, and we kind of like I don't know, morph sometimes into the people that we're around the most. Is it anybody else? You have people in your life you can do that? Show me your hands again. That just makes me happy. Yeah, see, we're so the same, right? And so it's just, that's kind of natural. But there has to be a place spiritually that at some point that behavior stops. (laughs) Okay, yeah, I'm going home. Bye-bye. At some point, spiritually, we have to become so much like Jesus that we don't take on the characteristics of anybody else around us or anything else around us or our culture or what's normal or whatever. We become so full of the word of God and truth. We start walking in these beatitudes. They become so much part of who we are when we're with someone else that's still who we are. When we're with someone who challenges the daylights out of us, and we are not quite sure how we're going to muster up any mercy or compassion, suddenly it's been worked in us so much, it just flows. We don't even have to think about it. God, let that day come for me, please. <laughs> that the, the places that are challenging that it's suddenly, it's soaked in us and it's gotten worked in us so much that that's who we are and we don't morph anymore. We don't become something or someone else anymore. So what does our beatitude today say? Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. So when we're living divided and cross-eyed, everything's a blur, but suddenly we make this switch and we're walking with a pure heart, with an undivided heart, and what happens to our vision, it becomes clear, and suddenly we can see. And obviously, to see him means, yes, for sure, if you are in Christ, you have eternity. You're going to see him. Like, we're going to see him. My children, when they learned that, like, one day there's a second coming, which they were far too old to have just learned that. I don't know how we missed that in our parenting moments, but I don't know. It was just last year, I think, actually, (laughs) that we were in conversation, and they were like, hang on. You mean he's coming back? (laughs) We're like, yes, and they were so excited. Like, when's it going to be? Do you mean we're going to see him was their question. Like, see him? Oh, we're going to see him. Like, one day we are going to see him. All this waiting, all this watching, all this stuff we're going through here, it's going to all pale in comparison to that moment when we see him eye to eye and face to face. It's just 
All this stuff we're going through doesn't even matter. (laughs) We're going to see him. And that is truth. Like one day, for real, your eyes are going to see him. But the other truth is that right now, today, you can walk in a place that you see him, you experience him, you know him, and all this stuff and everything you're going through pales in comparison to seeing him today, right now, in this very moment, this very week, the stuff you've been going through. I don't know what anyone else's week has been like, but mine was terrible absolutely terrible. And to be honest, since we're all about that today, I didn't want to come today. Okay, I'm just really going to say all the things. Oh boy. I told Casey, I don't know how anything is, any of this is going to come out and I'm surprising myself right this second. Um, We had a terrible week in our marriage. It was terrible, wasn't it? It was awful. We had a terrible week. Lots of miscommunication, lots of frustration. I like to shut down and not talk when that happens, so there was lots of not talking going on as well. Casey got to go chop wood and work out some of his frustration. I was pretty sure he was going to come back without a limb because, like, are you fine? You're safe because you're going to go work with sharp objects and axes. That's not good. Um, so there was lots of that. I was feeling sick. I'm waking up every morning with a sore throat, going to bed every night with a sore throat, just lots of physical, like it was just bad. And I told Casey, even on Friday night, I'm not speaking Sunday. I'm not doing it. I'm not even going to come to church because I was supposed to speak. And it's not really, this is honest. It's not really a lie to say I'm homesick. I just want Casey to share because my throat is scratchy. I woke up with a sore throat. I'm not lying. That was divided, you guys. Because at the root and the heart of it is I had a stinky week. My attitude was terrible. Jesus was trying to work some of this stuff into me, and I didn't like it. (laughs) And I sure as heck didn't want to get up here and tell you about it or say, like, oh, be pure in heart when he is exposing things in us. Like, this is reality. This is how it's getting fleshed out in our home. We got to deal with this stuff. But the truth is, That yesterday morning, I got to sit with Jesus, and in the middle of a terrible week, do you know what I did? I saw him. And when you see him in your situation, everything changes. And so here I am. Thank you, Jesus, I think. Proverbs 22.11 says, He who loves purity of heart and whose speech is gracious will have the king as his friend. And what that means is when it says he who loves purity of heart, it means the person who loves having purity of heart. The person who loves walking undivided. The person who loves being pure in heart is the person who will see the king, will have the king as a friend. Because the people who got to see the king were those he allowed in to the courtroom. (laughs) We know the story of Esther. She boldly approached. She had to wait on the scepter, and he extended that, and she came, and she saw him. He invites us in as his friend. 
that so many times it feels like we walk through life squinting. Can you put up this um, slide? Everybody just kind of squint at me for a second, like squint, squinting. Yeah, so we're all just like, we're walking through life squinting because we're trying to figure this stuff out. We're trying to make sense of it all. And everything is just a little blurry and fuzzy. And some of us know that. We know, like, like this last week, I knew things were fuzzy. <laughs> I know what it's like when my vision is clear, and I know what it's like when it's not. And I knew my heart is not at a good place because everything is blurry and fuzzy, and this is not okay. Some of us have blurry vision, and we're squinting around through life, and we don't even know it. We don't even know we can't see. Like, in real life, a few years ago, I went to the eye doctor because I was having lots of headaches, and I was pretty sure it's not my eyes. I'm just having headaches. It's fine. I can see. I would know if I can't see. Go to the eye doctor. You go through the little test. They put the little things on your eyes. And is this better or this better? Is this better or this better? And still, that's all. Like, you can kind of see your letters, and they get a little more clear. But the day you go and you get your glasses and you put them on, you spend like a week. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like, that's what you do over and over. And all of a sudden, like, all the trees that were just, like, green, you're like, there's leaves. All the stars that were just like those kind of twinkly, like, wow, they're like little pinpoints. Yeah, like suddenly things that were out there that you just, you saw them, but you didn't see them. It becomes clear. But sometimes we don't know that we can't see. And we are being invited into like the eye doctor's office. <laughs> where the Holy Spirit does a work in our lives and he starts to show us where we've had blurred vision and he wants to bring clarity. And I believe based on the scripture that if we are walking in a place of blurred vision, that it could have something to do with our inner life. I think that's what is suggested here is that if we can't see and there's something blurred and confusing, and it doesn't make sense, and it's all, oh, there's an element of, well, what's going on in here? Where could we possibly, maybe, just maybe, be living divided? And how does the Lord want to work to bring purity of heart into our hearts So the next question that comes naturally is, okay, well, how do we do it? <laughs> how do I see clearly? How do I get the glasses? How do I clean myself up? How do I get undivided? What do I do? And that's, again, naturally the question that I start asking. And the beautiful, like, Jesus, what a beautiful name it is. Because the beautiful thing is we don't do anything. The beautiful thing is we come to Jesus and we are purified by the blood of the lamb. The work of the cross does a work in us and we are purified. Now, yes, there is a process of working this purification out. We have choices to make, 
but we cannot on our own do anything to clean up. We can't on our own make enough right choices to be acceptable to the King of Kings, to the Lord of Lords. We're going to fall short every time. The thing we do is become poor in spirit. The thing we do is we mourn the sin in our lives. We bring it to the foot of the cross and we let the work, the finished work of the cross cover us. Psalm 27, 8 says, you have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. And the thing the Lord has been showing me more and more this week is that there's really a link between pure in heart and shall see God that is more than just we see God once we have an undivided heart. But I kept seeing this happening simultaneous. There's almost a simultaneous work of this. Um, Let me find this quote. We make the decision to come to Jesus, and there begins in our life a simultaneous work of purification of our hearts, which allows us to see him, and a seeing him that creates a longing for purity in our hearts. It happens at the same time. And there is an ongoing, continuous invitation, whether you recognize it or not, inside of you that is constantly saying, seek my face, seek my face, seek my face. For some of us, it may feel like this little faint whisper. And for some of us, he is shouting it, seek my face. It's calling at you from the inside. We were created with a hunger to know him and to see him. And it's, it's just this constant Constant invitation deep inside, seek me, seek my face, seek my face. And when we seek him with all our heart, is what scripture says in Jeremiah 29, 13. When you seek me with all your heart, and do you know what I suddenly hear there? With an undivided heart. When you seek me with an undivided heart, with a pure heart, you will find me. To find something means we can see it. When you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. And so that's the good news. The good news is what we do is we respond to that invitation that says, seek my face. And when we see his face, and when we seek him, purification has worked in us. And as I see him, all I can think is, I want to be more like you. In his light, in the light of his face, in the light of seeing him, everything else suddenly gets more clear. Our vision gets cleared up. Seeing God changes how we see everything else. The more you see him, the less you want to do things that cloud your vision. But the contrast of this is also true. The more you do things that cloud your vision the less you see him. The more we do things that cloud our vision, the less we will see him. But even then, just want to go back to that constant, seek my face. Even then, there is hope. 
because that invitation is always there. All week long, when I was just walking around in my junk, that invitation was there. And maybe on Wednesday or Tuesday, on some day earlier than yesterday, if I had responded to that invitation saying, seek my face, my week would have looked different. That's just practically how this works. If I had responded to his invitation, when I finally gave into it on Saturday morning before like 24 hours before having to be here and do this, the week would have looked different. So maybe there are things going on in your world, in your life, that you need to respond to his invitation that is seek my face because you can't see anything right now or it's just all a blur. I was thinking this morning about when our children mess up with one of the, like one of the girls does something, there's an issue. One of the first things that I do as their mom is I call them to me. And my preference is always that they sit on my lap. One day they might be too old for that. But for now, my preference is always get on my lap. And I will say, I love you. And I will say, look at me. Because in their sin and in a place of shame, honestly, the last thing they want to do is be close to me. And the last thing they want to do is look me in the eye. And I can always tell when their heart is soft in the moment because they do sit. They don't just sit like stiff as a board and like, "Mm, mm," but they sit. And when I say, I love you, there's generally like, I know. And then I say, look at me. And they turn their face. And their eyes meet my eyes. And then we can do some work. Because again, purity, pure in heart, it's not the same as perfection. But because I had a bad week doesn't mean I wasn't pure in heart. Pure in heart means undivided. And it means that I responded to that invitation to seek his face. It means that Saturday morning, I got in his lap and I heard him say, I love you. Look at me. And there's restoration. So again, it's not about performance in any way. It is not about performance. It's about responding to his invitation, sensing his love and his heart, I do think it's important to say this, though, and I haven't wanted to, but I'm going to. I so don't want anyone to leave here going, well, to be pure in heart, there is a list of of demands. Because <laughs> there is no list of demands. There is no, there is no list. Like, the things in my heart, when I see Jesus, the things my heart is convicted about in this season may be different than the things your heart is convicted about. Like, it's, it's on you and Jesus, <laughs> 
You see him and you figure that out. It's on me and Jesus. We're working this out. But I do think it is still important to say that if we are walking in the kingdom of God, it is absolutely going to require us to stop doing certain things. So even though I'm not going to give you, here's your list of to be in the kingdom of God and see God, this is what it means to be pure. There is still a, like to be in the kingdom of God and walking with an undivided heart. It means we're going to stop doing certain things. And even though I said, I'm not going to give you a list. I'm going to give like three examples. You can't be prideful and poor in spirit at the same time. You can't hunger and thirst for righteousness while feasting on the things of this world at the same time. You can't be full of mercy and compassion for others and at the same time only look out for your own interest. These things are what I would call opposites. And if we're trying to do both these things, I call that living divided. So pure in heart, begins to recognize the discrepancies within ourselves. We ask Jesus to show those to us. The heart is deceitful above all things, Scripture says. So how we do this is we say, God, it's a brave prayer, my friends. God, show me my heart. You want to be a living plant that gets a little weeding done to you and a little pruning done to you? Pray that brave prayer. Ask him, God, show me my heart. He'll start to show you the discrepancies, the divided places that you're living in. And he does it for your own good so that you can be purified or puritized, as Ellie said. We're going to be puritized and we're going to see him more clearly. And the more we see him, the less we care about any of that other stuff anyway. Because the inner life takes care of the outer life. So to phrase it the way dad has so lovingly and graciously phrased it week after week. What's your level of purity? What's your level of undividedness? What's your level of single-mindedness? What's your level of recognizing the discrepancy in your heart? Worship team, if you want to come on up. I am pretty much, that's it, family. The bottom line is, let us be a people who see him. Because when we see him, everything else gets put in its proper place. Suddenly, just like that, in an instant, he can do this work. And then we get to spend our life fleshing it out. And I think it's just so important that we recognize, again, purity is not what? Purity is not, purity is not perfection. 
and an undivided heart is one that when we recognize our vision is getting cloudy, we know what to do in that moment. And what happens in our process of purification is we start to respond in those moments quicker. We start to recognize, whoa, vision's getting blurry. Something is up. Something is divided. There's a discrepancy somewhere going on in my heart because Things are blurry, hazy. I'm feeling this tension and stress. Stress. I'm feeling the tyranny of living the divided life. And we recognize that quicker and quicker and quicker and quicker. And so the day this week that things started getting fuzzy for me, I would have just gone, seek my face. Yes, your face I will seek. <laughs> and we take care of it quicker and quicker and quicker. So I think really my, the Lord's invitation to us, again, this is like, this is not something we take care of in five minutes on a Sunday. This is an ongoing thing. All of these Beatitudes, like I said, I wish I had like four weeks to talk about one Beatitude and then to deal with it in my life and try to like grow in one area at a time. But he's growing us and he's challenging us and we want to respond. And I told Casey this morning, I, I feel like I just want to end this with, that's it, family. <laughs> like, what do you want to do with it? What do you want to do with it? This week, all the weeks past, all the Beatitudes we've talked about, like, what are you going to do with it? And that's between you and the Lord. And yes, like we're going to go into worship. The altar's open. If you want to come do some business with Jesus, do it. If you need to sit in your chair and do it, do it. If you need to Monday morning, Monday night, around the table with your family, Wednesday, by yourself over lunch, like whenever, however, meet with the Lord. <laughs> meet with him and let him work this stuff in us. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Please join us online at heritagefellowship.us or in person in Jefferson City, Tennessee as we encounter God, touch lives, and impact nations.